right, welcome to a really fun podcast. Uh, here Friday, October 15th, a couple of minutes before 3 o'clock. How do I know it's going to be a fun podcast? Well, I get it. Eric, you plan out the show. You know what you want to talk about. Some topics are more exciting to talk about than others. T- yesterday, there was nothing to talk about on the radio. Oh, God. Today, lots of fun things on the radio and here on the podcast. So that, that super fun stuff is at the end. I don't know... I always wonder if these are too long for you, but then I realize you can split them up. You can binge through them. So by all means, give me the feedback that you'd like for the podcast. And then the the, the bottom line is you could if everybody said, we'd only like like 30 minutes. These are my friends. And if we want to keep talking, we will. You don't have to listen. You might miss some good stuff. Um, today, uh, we have a guest on. I've been trying to track this woman down for maybe a couple of years. You know me. I can find people on the internet. I know how to Google. And some people think that that's all kinds of creepy and whatever. But uh, she kept showing up in lots of important places in our community. Got to have coffee with her last week. And I wanted to set up a podcast visit with her very soon. We did that now, today. It's coming up in a couple of minutes. Rachel Gagnon, she was formerly at Sunshine Communities. Now she is the executive director of the Lucas County Toledo Homelessness Board. I know that doesn't sound very interesting, but she does important work. And we're going to talk about why it is important and why it matters more than just walking past someone on the street uh, on the street who is without a home. We're going to give a bit of a backstory to that person and how you could be that person. Um, give this some time. And uh, we've got some more stuff coming up after our time with Rachel as well. <laughs> Hi, how are you guys? We're amazing. Good. Awesome. <laughs> That's great. Okay. We can start. We can start. Yay. So, at Hi, lo- Rachel. Hi, Alex. How are you? Good. So full disclaimer before we get started, this is podcast Alex. It's separate from MPI Alex. Got it. Okay. All right. So I behave a whole lot less. (laughs) Well, there's no judgment. You're in a safe space. (laughs) Rachel might know because she has, uh, after we had coffee last week, I think she dove into some of the podcasts. So she does know what she's getting into and uh, she can share some of her thoughts outside of the scope of maybe our discussion at her leisure as we move through this but uh, I wanted to it took me a long time to track Rachel down but she's been um, I I finally did and I think it's going to be a worthwhile conversation because you're an important part of our community in fact when I just googled you to make sure I had your title correct I saw that you were nominated for 20 under 40 did you win? I did I did deservingly so Oh, thank you. Yeah. That was last year, right? A little bit embarrassing. That was, um, gosh, it feels like five years ago. It was pre-COVID, so whenever that was. Rachel is currently the uh, executive director of the Toledo-Lucas County Homelessness Board, but you won won the award and got the recognition for another uh, great organization you were with, Sunshine Communities. Uh, What is that? What did you do there? So Sunshine Communities is a wonderful, wonderful nonprofit um, that serves individuals with developmental disabilities. And I started there very young, very green, and I started as a case manager originally and just kind of moved throughout a couple different roles and worked in um, business development and some analytics work and then uh, made my way to a, a role, a chief operating officer role at the end there. 
So it was good. It was a good time. I love that organization. I will forever stand by it. I'm a huge proponent of it. But yeah, and then I, you know, in the process of that, I got to um, just by happenstance doing some project management having to do with housing, and that kind of opened up my eyes to the housing space, and the rest is history. Hey, are you on your, your earbuds or anything? Yes. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Um, you just sound like a little a little far away from the microphone. Oh, she actually sounds like you're in a room with high ceilings. I kind of am. Not really. There you go. Like a big room. It's um, a big room, and it's like a we're under construction, so I wonder if that's playing into it. Now we can hear you better. Oh, okay, cool. So um, it's quite a it's quite a jump, and I I brought this. I mentioned this to you when we had coffee. Like yeah. usually, when we get into the nonprofit world, it's something that's close to our heart. And you probably couldn't find two more disparate things than helping people with disabilities and homelessness. I mean, obviously, <laughs> they're, they're 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 people in in some unique situations. Um, but that's pretty disparate. So, what about working on the on the housing projects made you take the jump to the homelessness board? Yeah, I, I don't know. I actually kind of think they're closer than than what you'd otherwise think. But, yeah. um, you know, when I when I boil it down from my angle, it has to do with advocating for, you know, anyone who's been um, marginalized in the past, um, stigmatized in the past, disenfranchised. So I, you know, I come from a background of advocacy and, and anything that's justice-oriented. So when I look at at these two types of fields or these two spaces, I see a lot of similarities. But like I said, you know, at Sunshine, I did work on a, a pretty big housing development project. And so that kind of, like I said, it just kind of exposed me to the idea that everybody deserves a house, regardless of your challenges, regardless of your history, regardless of what the community may think of you. Um, and so that applies to the DD world, and it also applies to folks who um, are in the homelessness space right now. So I think a lot of the, uh, like I'll include you and I in, in this in a similar way because we come from similar backgrounds. But social justice and wanting to work in advocacy and kind of social, like for me, all of this is social determinants of health, and it's all under the same umbrella. You know, so while you went from working with. Um, individuals at sunshine communities like we know that a lot of homeless individuals and people experiencing homeless that sometimes um is dual with a, a maybe a mental health mm-hmm. diagnosis or a disability or a developmental delay or a learning disability that's causing homelessness especially when it's chronic you know when yeah. you find somebody that's been homeless for a really long period of time um but you came into your role you know at the homelessness board and i don't know if you remember but we took some trainings together while you were at sunshine and that was when we first met yeah you and the other young lady i can't remember her name blonde hair um lovely younger she also Um, won 20 under 40 i think last year i think pandemic year i forget her name Shannon, probably. Yes, Shannon. And um, but you came into your role at the homelessness board, one, when they had been without an executive director for some time. And then I believe, did you come in the year prior to the pandemic and then the pandemic happened? What was that like? It it was... um... <laughs> I have so many words. <laughs> um, it was a challenge. That's the nicest way I could say it. It was definitely sure. a challenge. It was a very, very uphill uh, battle. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, but you know, to our credit, to back up a second, to our community's credit, 
they had um, really done a lot of homework and looked at the homelessness board and the history of the homelessness board. And for Mm -hmm. a variety of reasons, it was not um, operating at an optimal level. And so, you know, in conjunction with the city of Toledo and the county and um, some folks at LMH, they all got together and said, wait a second, guys, we can do better. And so they kind of started from scratch. So they recreated the, the code of regulations. They reconstituted the board. Um, they brought me in. Um, wow. It was a little bit trial by fire, and it was a little bit mm-hmm. of a rough patch. <laughs> I have mm-hmm. um, much more gray hair than I used to have. But, um, but yeah, and then, and then COVID hit. And so that was just impossible on everybody, and it was a, a massive, massive challenge. You can imagine when you're talking about serving people who are sometimes hard to reach or um, sometimes uh, staying in a congregate setting. Like, that's just the least... Um, the worst possible environment that you could have when you're trying to uh, prevent COVID. So it, yeah, I can't, I can't say it enough. I don't know how else to articulate it. It was, it's been a challenging couple of years, but certainly not without um, some, you know, some really cool successes and some really good wins and, and, and we weathered it. So (laughs) we're still here. I felt for you. I really did. I felt for you. And when I remember, obviously like our, Again, my I don't speak about my employer that often, but I speak about the profession and the field of work. And mm-hmm. I knew, you know, I heard Rachel came over and I said, Rachel from Sunshine? <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. And then, you know, shortly after, I think there was a pit count and we saw each other. But good, yeah. goodness gracious. Yeah. We've yeah, just that, been running ever since. I stopped running my bills <laughs> yeah. pretty soon into my tenure. That's just not, not feasible anymore. Wow. Um, yeah. Alex, you've you've talked about it from time to time. I think a couple of times on the podcast, you've talked about like counting homeless people a couple of times mm-hmm. per year. Mm-hmm. Um, Rachel, I think we all kind of maybe grow up um, and we dismiss homeless people. We just mm-hmm. think of them as people who are asking for money and that they're mm-hmm. uh, horrific human beings and they're just looking to do awful things to us. Can you reframe that a little bit so that maybe people can be a bit more sympathetic to people they come across who may be homeless? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be delighted to. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you know, and the first thing I'll say is, and this is something I learned back when we were, when I was in the the IDD field, which is it really is not a um, a, a characteristic of people. It's it's a situation that they're encountering. So, Mm -hmm. um, so the first, you know, just plug I'll always say, and and not calling you out, Eric, per se, but (laughs) but we always want to use you know person first language. So. It's an individual experiencing homelessness. It's not, you know, who they are. They didn't grow up saying, I want to be homeless someday. Of course not. Um, so it's somebody who, for some reason or another, or a combination of reasons, is experiencing a hard time. Um, and they, are, you know, likely are living in, in some severe stage of poverty, may have some co-occurring disorders um, as a result of or as a cause of their homelessness. Um, and so it... It's, it's really just a stage for a lot of people. That being said, I always say, and I think I shared this with you, Eric, when we met, um, what I, there's this uh, internet you know, picture quote out there that just says that you know, we're all closer to becoming homeless mm-hmm. than we are to ever become millionaires, right? And that's just mm-hmm. the truth. If the majority of our population is living paycheck to paycheck, um, it really is for a lot of folks one, um, one bad situation away from being in a precarious housing situation. So um, so I would just say it could happen to any of us, right? And um, and I think we saw that and we're seeing that as a result of COVID, which is, you know, jobs were lost. Um, 
medical conditions caused a huge strain on, on families. Um, and we're seeing kind of the effects of that play out now, and I expect to see it for a while longer. But it can happen to anyone. And then, you know, just to circle back for a second, we talk about disabilities where you talk about um, mental health challenges or substance abuse disorders. Those are, we see, from where we sit, we see those as, as something that can cause your housing instability. It can, you know, prevent you from having stable employment. It can prevent you from having stable relationships and a network. But also, to be quite honest, when you are living in extreme poverty and you're living in crisis mode nonstop, sometimes those develop out of that. You know, the trauma can of mm-hmm. being homeless or having a stint of homelessness can cause you to have some severe anxiety or depression, and it can cause you to maybe find some unhealthy coping mechanisms. So I would say at the end of the day, we're all people, right? And I'll, I'll go to my grave just, just trying to level the playing field here and say this is no different than our brothers, our sisters, our, our neighbors. We should look out for each other, and, and I, ho- I hope people can join me in that, that line of thinking. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There's there's environmental factors that go into some people that are, that have mental health challenges, um, mm-hmm. and and it can only exacerbate, you know, if there's financial strain, if there's job strain. It, you're right. We're everybody, and it's it's such a humbling thing to say, and getting people to kind of understand and look at a person experiencing homelessness in a different light, you know, mm-hmm. and it, also when it comes to harm reduction and somebody saying, mm-hmm. and I do educating like this all the time and they say, well, I don't, I'm not comfortable giving somebody experiencing homelessness a dollar or I'm not comfortable with this or it, I'll give them a dollar, but I want to make sure they're getting food. And it's like, well, if you're going to give, then give, let's not put stipulations on what the, you'll allow them to do. Yeah. You know, you, you see what I'm saying? It's just, yeah. it's, it takes some educating and, and, turning things, spinning things in a different way for, so people can understand and really kind of... Yeah, and not putting any judgment on the situation, because we don't right. know. We don't know what happened, and right. we've, all, we've all got, you know, histories, we've all got past. I'm sure some of us have made some poor decisions in the past, <laughs> um, and you know, by the grace of whatever, uh, whether it's good fortune or privilege or, or some combination thereof, we have not gone there, fortunately, but you know, it could happen to anybody. Alex, a lot of the things that we talk about, um, they're very complex. It's not like um, there are no Cardi Finkbeiner answers where we just wave a magic wand and we do one thing and everything is solved. (laughs) All these things are interlocking. I'll go back to something that Rachel said, how you're closer to being homeless than you are uh, a millionaire. And even before COVID, and and Rachel, you alluded to it, something that's always been on my mind for for well over a decade now, and more people are finding it out, um, how expensive healthcare is. Like, your one incident away from maybe not having the best health care in the world to complete and utter financial ruin mm-hmm. um, from the bills, from not being able to work, and all of a sudden you know, that's not even weaving into the fact that perhaps you got addicted to opioids at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, like Alex, we, we talk about this and the people that listen to the podcast can probably put it together, but the public at large probably doesn't. This is why, as much as when, when ProMedica and Randy Oster speak, it's kind of like noise to some people, but social determinants of health is a big deal. If we build the infrastructure and the foundation, mm-hmm. these problems will magically fix themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that a lot of it. So that's why, you know, Rachel, as you were explaining, you were working in one discipline or one field and you were able to move over to another because it's the advocacy piece that's really the foundation. Mm-hmm. Um 
you you know and and that and the want and the need and the desire to improve living circumstances in the community at large mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah i agree that's where where i'm going which i'm trying to get <laughs> <laughs> but no you're i mean you're right eric because like we and we talk about this at the homelessness board all the time and we we try to embody what's called this housing first model which is it really starts with you know stability right it's hard to rebuild your health your um your employment status your relationship status and network it's hard to improve any of those if you're living in the tyranny of the moment and you're bouncing yep. from crisis to crisis and so we you know um, subscribe to this idea or this philosophy that you know if you can provide that initial stability somewhere to put your head down that's calm that doesn't cause you crisis and, and, and stress on a, on a nightly basis from there, you build upon that, and that's how you can start to say, okay, let's talk about some of the other challenges that you have. How can we connect you to the existing support structure that's out there in the community? There's plenty of resources out there. We just need kind of a fresh slate and a starting ground to help folks kind of level set and, and take a deep breath. Yeah, that's housing first. You uh, did experience a win earlier this week, Warren Commons. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yes, yes. This is, you know, something that... Uh, the homelessness board advocated for and got behind pretty early. Um, but it's a, it's for those of you or for folks who maybe are, have no familiarity with it, it's a housing development project that has been in the works for years and years and years. Um, and it uh, has not been without controversy. There's um, some advocates for it and there's some opponents for it um, mm. for a variety of reasons. I think, you know, some of the reasons are um, pretty technical. Some of the reasons are based in some miseducation and some misunderstanding of the situation. But the moral of the story is um, it did finally pass through uh, approval for it through our city council. Yay. Yes. And so, when, you know, from the angle that we sit at, we desperately need more affordable housing in our community. We do not have enough. Um, mm-hmm. We just frankly don't have enough units online. And I, I, I sound like a broken record when I talk about this, but... Um, the solution to you know homelessness is more housing, uh, as simple as it seems, <laughs> um, because then you can build from that. So this Warren Commons, it's going to put uh, 46 new units online. It's uh, it's a model called permanent supportive housing that pairs uh, you know housing uh, unit with the housing subsidy and then also support services as desired. I'll hop in. Can there were some uh, opponents, some people in the old West End. They were some. They were opponents of it. Um, yes. Could you, as these things will hopefully pop up in other neighborhoods, parts of the region, all over. Um, can you set aside some people's fears of what's not coming into their neighborhood and why they should be? You know, look. You don't have to support it, but just don't worry as much as you think you need to about it. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. It's. The the really extreme you know uh, sentiment out there, which is not not everybody for the record, just a few folks. But the really extreme and the really unfortunate sentiment that we see sometimes is is very much uh, uh, not in my backyard type of philosophy. Or, you know, oh yeah. Um, and it's you know they them right. They are going to bring drugs. They are going to bring uh, crime. They do bad things. They're bad people. Right. That's a very very uh, simple, extreme description of it. And again, it's not not held by a lot of people. But um, it's no different than any other housing complex. It's a new complex. It'll be brand new with beautiful, you know, uh, uh, 
attributes to it. The lighting is great. The landscaping is great. Like it's it's good for our community to be building these new developments for otherwise vacant properties, right? Um, and it, and again, it's a needed resource, so we need that. But it, it's just I I think to to just assume that somebody who comes from a place of of having housing instability is inherently a bad person or is inherently going to bring bad behavior is a really unfair assumption. And, you know, arguably you could say that any neighborhood around our city and the country probably has some nefarious behavior associated with it that we may or may not see. And it's just, it's just part of the stigma game. But, um, we saw it at Sunshine when I was at Sunshine too, which is some you know opposition to you know folks with disabilities coming into our neighborhood. It's just really unfortunate, but we keep we keep plugging, we keep trying, and a lot of it again is education. There's some you know logistical technical arguments as far as zoning and stuff like that. Um, I know the district councilwoman there was is particularly concerned about a concentration of poverty, and that's a fair discussion to have. Um, but at the end of the day, like I said, from our angle, we're just excited because we, we desperately need these units and, and we're going to keep pushing for more down the road. Yeah, there's there's definitely no other drugs at all in the old West End. Like, not, not even not even a cigarette butt will you find on those streets. I'm not touching that one here, but I'm just saying it's possible. Alex, what do you got? I mean, I agree with you. Eric and I talk about this all the time when we're referring to like gun violence and things that and some of the violence that we're seeing in our in our area and in our neighborhood. And I think that a lot of us should take things like this personally in that there's people living on the street and there's people that don't have affordable housing, that don't have safe, stable housing. And they, you know, these are people in our neighborhoods. I guarantee you live five to ten minutes from a neighborhood that really needs help. And so caring about that is really important, like being a citizen that's willing to care and participate in that. And there's no reason why individuals shouldn't also deserve dignified housing like the complex that you guys, that's something brand new. I'm sure the renderings are beautiful. You know, like I can just imagine it it will enhance the neighborhood. So, um, yeah, yeah, congratulations. Thank you. I I mean, it was a... uh, very, very, very large community effort. We played a small role in just advocating for it, but it helps our system and it helps our community, and that's mm-hmm. what we're here for. Are there- also, congratulations on the um, funding that's coming into the shelters as well. I saw the story. I followed the story on Channel Thirteen. I think it was what last week, Eric. Uh, I can't keep up with all the things that Rachel's in <laughs> Are you so sick of seeing my face around? I am. Like, really- <laughs> I think it was last week, and it was right around the time that we were, you know, discussing, you know, that the evictions and things are happening yeah. right now that are causing wait lists um, for some of these shelters to increase. And, the shel- and, you know, the shelters aren't dealing with anything out of the ordinary like the rest of us where they're having right. staffing challenges, I'm sure. Yeah. So I was yeah. really, I was very happy to see that. Yeah, I mean, like, the real heroes here are the folks who day in and day out on the front level, on the front line. You know, the shelters have been doing this for years. Um, the housing providers beyond shelters have been doing this for years. And COVID is just an extremely huge stressor for an already challenging job. And so... 
um, we will just continue to, to pitch to any of our supporters how much you know they deserve all the support they could possibly get. To right. the United Way's credit, they, they went out and rallied the community, and, and they did a really great job pulling together some emergency funds to help them. So that kind of resource goes a long way. We're, our system is really heavy on government funding, which comes with so much mm-hmm. um, restrictions and red tape and, and grant yes. juggling. And so any sort of flexible dollars that we can get in our system are always appreciated. Yeah, before Eric, before you jump in, like from our perspective, the hardest thing is when you do have, so you do have available units, you do have opportunities for people to get off the street and get housed, but the funding is so restrictive that it's like trying to identify the appropriate funding for that person to get them then housed is just, it's a nightmare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we just um, started a a new initiative here called, it's, you know, it is exactly what it sounds like. It's called uh, housing problem solving. And it's meant to do just that, is to kind of have Great. an extra set of hands, an extra set of eyes, and a little bit of flexible funds to say, okay, this doesn't fit in the, the traditional three pathways of funding, but let's get creative because if we can keep somebody out of our system, that's the ideal approach. Right. Um, to, to add another layer to all this and, and show again how it's all connected, um, there's obviously a, an employee shortage at the moment. And Alex and I have talked about that ad nauseum, but I guess to, to walk through something here, somebody gets into Warren's, Warren Commons, mm-hmm. and if they're still looking for, I'm guessing there, there will always be the, the hunt for, for a job. Um, while you, person listening to the podcast, might not want to work at Panera for $14 an hour, that person who is just able, able to take advantage of public housing, maybe it's a good start for them. And maybe while you don't want to be a manager in Panera, that person who uh, who is happy to have a, a roof over their head and a pillow to sleep on, Rachel, like you talked about, would be more than happy to excel mm-hmm. at a manager's job at Panera. So yeah, we, we, sure. get, we get people housing, housing and then we get functional human beings in society yeah. again. Yeah, exactly I mean, you, right. a, you have a phone number to, to be reached at for an interview, right? Yep. Or you have somewhere to shower so that you can go for an interview. It's a game changer. Uh, last last question about this, and then I will unleash whatever fury you want to share here on the podcast. <laughs> um, are there plans for any more Warren, Warren Commons type places? Like, I think you and I talked about the uh, your phone ring. Is that you, Alex? Oops, sorry. A- Alex, I think she muted herself. Rachel, hi. Hi. <laughs> Our, uh, we talked about the uh, the the mini homes, and that's a great idea. And I know they're helping those people um, mm-hmm. to progress in life as well. Are there any more plans for for things like a, like the commons all over the area and other places? You know, the short answer is yes. The longer answer is not enough and not quick enough. Um, so I know uh, the Housing Authority, LMH, is um, working really hard to bring online a, a, a new development over at the Park Hotel by the train station, and that'll be geared towards supporting uh young adults aging out of foster care, transition age youth. And so they're hoping to kind of pull together some funding pieces um, that are remaining here in the next year or so. They, I know they also have kind of a longer term pipeline of of development projects that they're always working on and and bringing um, closer and closer to fruition. We did just have a a discussion this morning with a couple of our partners um, in the city of Toledo about how to create a better streamline because like I said, there's just not enough. So, you know, for what it's worth, these new... um, the, the different COVID relief packages that are coming to our community, the ARPA dollars, the, all the CARES dollars, the home dollars, 
Um, that is an unprecedented opportunity for us to do something big by way of uh, more construction, more development, um, and then we can, you know, hopefully sustain it with some existing funding sources that we have year round. But yeah, I mean, we need more. That's it. That's where it goes boils down to. Um- can you explain for people, because I didn't know, that's why I think I told you that somebody set me up with Ambria from Arc Restoration to explain affordable housing, because to me, I always thought it was just a relative term. Like, if you can afford it, you can live in it. But there's actually like a mathematical equation that goes into it based on what, like medium income for the area? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And each, yeah. So in a nutshell, it's it's based on what percentage of your income are you spending on housing, um, and if you start to spend too much, um, you know, 40, 50, 60% of your income on housing, you're considered really in an unstable position. Um, and so what we want to do is bring it back down to about the 30% range. So this, when you talk about affordable housing, it can mean a variety of things. It's all, again, it's all tied to folks' income. But uh, you're talking folks who maybe just need a rental subsidy to supplement their income. Maybe they need an entire voucher that covers their whole rent for in perpetuity. It, maybe they need you know a short-term assistance that slowly weans off. It really depends on their economic situation and you know whether they have a disability or not. But um, it, it looks it looks different depending on the family. But it all ties to somebody's. Uh, capability of, of affording it and affording something else, right? So if you're spending 90% of your income on housing, you are in a bad situation. You need some sort of help. If, you, if we zoom out, though, there is more of a, a city or, or regional way of looking at affordable housing because obviously each person's income is to their own, but there has to be like a certain amount of affordable housing for people based on what, like the medium income across the area? Yeah, and they do it area by area too. So our our charts to try and gauge you know somebody's uh, ability to pay rent or a portion of the rent looks significantly different than what it might look like in Detroit or, or Columbus. Um, and so uh, HUD does that every year. They, they you know release new statements for what the what the median income is here, what the fair market rent is here. We use all these charts to start to evaluate what type of assistance somebody might need. Excellent. My um my sorry about that I was getting multiple that was a mental health board that called me on the other side. Um, my aunt was the executive director for the homelessness board in San Francisco um, oh. prior to retiring, and their challenge I mean it was the cost of living that was outrageous. And then you're in a warmer climate, so you have so many more people unsheltered, which causes a problem with the city. And so you're battling so many different groups. I, I you know I remember some of that when she was working and it was really rough yeah i mean it's any, everything out on the west coast is insane because they're, <laughs> yeah. they're they're housing. yeah you know as as bad as it is right now here in toledo which it is the worst i've seen it since i've been in, in this space um it it is nothing compared to you know the seattles of the world who just have mm-hmm. tens and tens of thousands of individuals experiencing homelessness mm-hmm. um let's uh let's shift gears rachel what else is on your mind Oh, oh, uh, that's open-ended. I don't know. You tell me. What's going on? <laughs> uh, do you want to talk about the new Adele song? Alex is excited. <gasps> well, I so I have, I have a quick question. It is work-related, but it could help you. If, if we can <laughs> help you in any way. away. <laughs> I know. Yeah. If, but if, if Eric and I can help you get the word out. Okay, pit count. It's in person this year, right? Point in time? 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Alex. What do you need? <laughs> How can we help? <laughs> like, yeah. Let me. Know. Yeah. I'll take that opportunity just to share. So uh, it's uh, Alex is referring to the pit count, point in time count, and what it is basically is a, a once a year annual uh, effort to you know establish what the baseline need is here in our community. So HUD says HUD is a big funder in our space, obviously. HUD says, we need to know exactly how many individuals are experiencing homelessness in your community. We want you to, to take that temperature once a year um, for, you know, a variety of, I have a variety of, you know, thoughts on why they choose, when they choose it, they choose it at the last week of January. And so the last week of <laughs> January, freezing every cold. year, in the freezing cold, we put our boots on and we go out. Um, in the middle of the night, and we try to engage with any folks that we encounter, ask them some questions about themselves. Obviously, of course, we try and connect them with the shelter bed or any additional resources, but basically we kind of want to just get some information about who's outside, why they're outside, and then help them. Um, and then all of that kind of funnels into this big report that we send over to HUD. So uh, we do, it's a, it's a, actually, um, it's a really good opportunity for community members who are interested in this space to get involved, and I would encourage mm-hmm. them to um, mm-hmm. uh, contact um, us and, and on our website or our phone number, um, and we can get them linked in with the volunteer efforts. It doesn't take any um, past experience. It does not take any, you know, unique skill sets, just a willingness to, you go out in the cold, I guess. That's the big ask. Yeah. Um, at we'll night, train yeah. you tips. We put you in teams. We give you all the safety, um, you know, protocols so that you are safe in the process. Um, it, and then, you know, go out and just have some conversations. It's as simple as that, but it's a huge help to us. And it helps, I think, us um, kind of be able to continue our message on with some other community members who are unfamiliar or interested so, yeah, if they can reach out to us um, and we can get them on a, on a list to volunteer for that in January. For the listener, uh, Alex, I just want to let you know, and I think you know and you like totally railroaded me right there. <laughs> Sorry. I, I made it very clear. No, it was important to have the details of what that is. But I made it very clear to Rachel after we left coffee last week that I'd be happy to, and willing to do anything to help her in any of her causes. I didn't doggedly chase her down to have her on and then dismiss her. <laughs> well, I know, like, I really, the pit count really is, I've done it before, and it's something special. And if you are a volunteer and you want to be involved, this is one of those eye-opening moments that you really can help another person by putting them yourself in their shoes you're out at night you know mm-hmm. seeking them and and wanting and seeking them out and interacting with them and sometimes giving them a sandwich and you know getting information from them that can later help them so yeah, um, yeah it's, it, it's really help. important it seems like a silly effort you know like let's go outside and see and, and i will tell you like from a from a data collection standpoint we never really um, believe that the number that we have is it's 100% accurate. It's, it's yeah. a nice, you know, estimate of where we're at. We're not going to find everybody. Um, and, and then again, it's a, if it's cold outside, um, you know, folks will maybe double up. So it, the data mm-hmm. itself is a little bit loose there. Um, it's the best we can do for that. But it's, it, I almost want to say it's a fun event, but that doesn't feel right in my not heart. Right. So it's, it's a very compelling event, and it's a really good way to, like, just see it firsthand, like you said, Alex. Yeah. And if you're of the mind, I'm tired of seeing these people out here on the streets. It's a blight on my neighborhood or wherever. Great. Go be a part of this and help get them off of the streets. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Join us. We're happy to have more supporters. Okay. Um, Sorry. Adele. 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 I haven't heard the Adele song yet. We can talk. 
You you're only eh on it. I mean, it it is. I guess like okay. So I'm not quite Floyd on this. I saw Floyd, our lovely Deja's comment. Like Adele's music is. I don't expect her to be like Lady Gaga or Beyonce and go from like a ballad to like a like a anthem, if that makes any sense. But it sounds like a lot like all the others. It sounds like really? a lot a lot like her other songs. It's literally like it could have come like if if you didn't know. Yeah. They're like, "Oh, there's an Adele track from the last album." But you know what? That's her. But um, do we yeah. like it though? What's Oh yeah. Yeah, similar? yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh it's okay. very similar, but I love it. Uh, yeah, it's it's the same as you always and she always gives us good songs. Here, Rachel, you, you should be able to hear this. And this is where Young Thug comes in. <laughs> A little Nas X. Yes. Oh, that's the one duet she has to do. <laughs> oh, she's so good. Come on, you can't not like that. I've been washing. Alex, I was talking to Jerry about it. Um, like, and oh, we, Jerry. And, like we talked about, like, is this going to connect with Gen Z? And it hit me like Taylor Swift is the easy comparison. Um, I don't know if she's a Gen Z artist because she's a lot older than them. But Adele stuff is so timeless. She might yeah. just still connect with them. So I saw somebody make a TikTok already. I've seen a TikTok where they have this song playing in the background did their mute their makeup like Adele while the song was playing and it was like okay first time hearing the new Adele song and they like it second time third time by the fifth time they're doing their makeup like Adele and then by the tenth time they're in the car like reenacting the music video and I'm just like that's funny that's a Gen Z way of enjoying Adele like I guarantee that that's what's going to happen it's nice her voice is beautiful it's Adele but once you really get into the song um, it sounds a lot like some of her others. The highs and lows of her voice, I don't know the appropriate... I don't know the term for it, but you know how her voice goes really high and really low. You gotta ease into it. Rachel, yeah. uh, what do you do in your free time? Oh, I don't know. I have two little kids, and so I forget what I do in my free time. I did... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I've got a four and a six-year-old, so we're supposed to go... I don't know, trick-or-treating this weekend, although it looks really crummy outside. Um, and then, you know, hang out with my friends and ideally travel, all that fun stuff, although COVID put a damper on that. Um, and I I genuinely like to volunteer, so I still try and volunteer. That's what I do when, I, when I'm when i not That's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How, do, how do you feel about candy corn? Oh, uh, not a fan. Thank God, Eric, because you really you try to pull people over to the dark side. We don't do that here. I, I'm I sorry, candy I support corn. you, but it's not my cup of tea. I am not. I am not a candy corn evangelist. And besides, if you don't like it, that's more for me to eat. Oh my God! All right, Rachel. He literally it's coming your way. So I will remind Rachel. I will remind you to have try his candy corn martini. He makes like a candy corn drink, like liqueur. Like a drink, and it's just—it's not I great. Keep an open mind about that. You should try it though. Everybody I'll should try it. try it once. And then Eric, you need to have—we need to have the Martini Wars. Like you, the lavender Martini was great. Juliana did a good job, and you know what? Maj asked me today. She's like, "When's this party?" I'm like, "I—I I haven't even thought about it." So yeah, it, you got to plan it. Maybe I'll pull. Maybe I'll just push it into November because everybody in October is probably already booked up. 
Well, my uh, Saturday plans on the 23rd just opened up, so... <laughs> Um, well, so, we're, so we're talking about drinking real quick. I, I'm going to tell you guys a funny story. Um, <laughs> I, it's pretty tame, but I went out to dinner last night, and I was um, sitting, waiting for my friend, and uh, I was reading a book, because I always have a book in my purse, and so I was sitting at the bar with a drink, reading a book, and the bartender, um, this young woman, she comes up to me, and she goes, do you usually go to um, Levi and Lilacs? And I say, yeah, because I live right around the corner. I'm like, yeah, I go there all the time. She goes, yeah, I recognize you because you're always the girl that sits at the bar by yourself and drinks while you read. <laughs> and I was like, you oh, know what? I have a reputation. <laughs> Good for you. Good for, for me. That's a bad bitch. That's somebody that's not concerned what anybody else thinks. I'm going to go have a drink and read a book. And you know what? Like the way you were working into that story, it sounded like an Adele video. Oh god. <laughs> um, so Tragic I, breakup coming. <laughs> I've never been there before, but I loved Degage. I I had a hole in my soul and my stomach when that place closed because I loved yes. I loved jazz places and the food was delicious. Pound, like bite for bite, it was the best menu in the area. Um, but for the first time, after I get done work, I have a friend who's back from Afghanistan, and I'm going to go over to Le- Levi and Lilac tonight to see oh. her. And um, what should I try? It's so good. It's so good. They're smoked old-fashioned. You can't go wrong. It's, All right. it's my wow. jam. Yeah. They also have a coffee shop there, which is really in part where my reputation came in, because I go to both. I go to the, the bar and the coffee shop. So, wow. yeah. Well, you definitely would definitely if anyone cares, I had a mint julep this week in Louisville. It was pretty good. Those are good. Louisville. It was not bad. They put an entire mint like tree on my drink. It was a lot, but it was good. Well, I had Rachel, to water it down. Um, thank you very much for visiting with us. Thank you so much for talking and educating so many about homelessness and what they and we can do to help. And um, we'll have to have you back. You're very good at this. Oh, I don't know about that. But thank you for highlighting this issue. I appreciate everything you guys do to talk about our community. Seriously. Of course. Yeah. All right. We'll catch up with you soon, okay? All right. Sounds good. Bye, Rachel. Bye. That was lovely. She's, she's, I was going to say, she's lovely. Yes. (laughs) Let me, uh, let me, uh, do you still have some time or do you need a break? Yeah. Yeah, no, I have time. Uh, Let me, let me rope in the little one. (laughs) The little one. That's her cute baby. Right. Right, 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 right. They had a they had a nice little party with that thing. <laughs> what? That thing? <laughs> I would say it to Maddie's face. Yes, you would. Apparently, Noelle, my niece, is doing quite well. Um, oh, she mostly is doesn't sleep through the. She mostly sleeps through the night. Uh, one of the little dog likes licking her toes, and she laughs. And uh, I guess that's really all. It can do for now. Oh, oh, oh. Today is uh, Jade's birthday. Happy birthday, Jade. Happy birthday, Jade. Um, her, uh, her dad made his comedy debut the other night. and uh, I heard. I'm sure the only thing funny was the fact that he made his comedy debut. I'm kidding. I like, his, I like his comedic name. Nate James. Yeah. Sounds like a porn star's name. Yeah. Um... You have to go get that? No. Uh, so Philip and I were talking uh, about uh, Chappelle yesterday, and it seems to be getting worse. The uh, The Netflix CEO, like, again, 
I, I think we're both kind of fine with Chappelle. Like, we take it for what it is. Um, and I actually have a question that we talked about yesterday that you might be able to answer. But he needs to stop talking. Dave Chappelle does? No, no the, the Netflix CEO. Oh, I haven't read up on any of that. So what does Philip think about it? This is, that's, that's an interesting perspective. He, he's never been a Chappelle fan. And oh, gotcha. we just kind of volley back and forth about, like, they're jokes. He's smart. Yeah. This is calculated, yeah. and, I, and it even dawned on me, and and I think the Netflix CEO kind of alluded to this, but not really in depth. Um, if that's like much like with suicide, like what a friend told me with suicide, if Jan and I are out at a classroom talking about suicide prevention, and we find out that because of our discussion, a child took their life, um, that child was already thinking that, and the good far outweighs that that tragic outcome um if someone goes and does something hateful to whoever and for some strange reason the jewish people the jewish advocacy groups haven't spoken up to Chappelle. it's just everybody else um maybe because we've been the pun of jokes since egyptian times he had a Uh, jewish joke in there yeah you didn't space jew like what what was it we're gonna gonna leave the planet we're gonna come back and say it's all ours and i'm gonna call it space jew or something like that i don't remember Uh, that oh damn yeah, it was it was a good joke. And by the way, I watched the end of it, and it like the beginning was all a material. The end was not. So um, it was the end, but it was also the end that tied into like take it easy. Like I don't I don't make fun. You know, he's not necessarily he's speaking about true experiences. I don't know. I, like I had a difficult time with it because I I don't I don't know. I, it was it made me sad when he said you know my friend who is transgender stood up for me and tried to explain what I was trying to say and you attacked her and she killed herself. Yeah. It's like somebody that we, uh, it's like someone who is such an an assertive, aggressive Mm -hmm. advocate, they get too laser focused on obviously an incredible cause, but they don't Mm -hmm. step back and see other things that are going on and actually the harm that they might be doing to themselves and the cause. Right, yeah. Um, and, and with that, the, the comparison to suicide, I don't think people are going to hear Dave Chappelle and go do harm to, mm-hmm. um, like immediately do harm to others in whatever marginalized community. I, I guess the, I think the, the, the Netflix CEO made, it was probably a, like a clumsy analogy, but like it is comparable a lot to, to video games. Um, there are a lot worse plagues that cause violence and hate and it's not these things that you can focus in on and make an easy target like we mentioned yesterday it's far more your upbringing and your education than it is dave Chappelle, Fortnite, yeah. or call of duty mm-hmm. yeah. bethany yeah. hello hello hi hi was it a it was a successful first birthday party even though you had one pooped out kid ah! Oh, there she is. She said yes. <laughs> <laughs> she had a great birthday, didn't you? Yes, you did. How much uh, How much Chase and Marshall stuff did she get overloaded with? Um, it wasn't too bad. I feel like it was a good mixture of different things. Um, she did get a stuffed Chase, so we have two now. Um, and she got <laughs> a stuffed Marshall, and she got a stuffed Sky. So... We have a nice quota of Paw Patrol. Yeah. I know. Um, but she got a good mix of a lot of different toys, so that was good. 
There's a there's a big uh, display at Walmart. They they've got to have some kind of Paw Patrol partnership. Probably. So you just let me know when I get that green light. You should take her trick or treating and dress her stroller up as a Paw Patrol car. I know. Well, and so I wanted her to be a Paw Patrol for Halloween, but like apparently Paw Patrol is only popular for two, three year olds and up. They don't really have like a small enough costume for her, which I was Make kind of one. surprised about. Yeah, yeah, I know. I I think we're going. Elmo. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I, I think we're going for Elmo this year. <laughs> she can do a pumpkin. Um, right. Let's. Uh, I I think this this will be on the part that I cut the beginning the Halloween stuff. I think that's getting cut cut off. So I'll bring it up again. Uh, the Lansing School District has decided to. Adjust Halloween and Valentine's. No cards, no costumes. Now they're actually going to turn it into like learning experiences. But, but apparently there is a. And Bethany, you're in the school system. Maybe not necessarily elementary school kids, but kids. Apparently, uh, they say there is a lot of crying when kids see that other kids have better costumes and other kids have better, more elaborate Valentines. What? <laughs> I've never been concerned about somebody else's costume. I don't recall. Do do you guys? Nope. No. That was never a thing. This goes back to like what I said a couple of minutes ago, how there is a good cause there and a good person, but you get so laser focused on what you want to accomplish. You don't step back to see the different shades of the argument. Like, and this is what, like, it's all about like treating people better and being sensitive to people's feelings and not calling them all kinds of things. Halloween is not one thing you probably need to uh, take the pitchforks and torches to. I I just thought, like, maybe maybe you change it up. So, like, if they're doing something Halloween-related at school, then the kids can only wear costumes that they made at school. So, like, have an opportunity for them to make their own costume. That way it's even playing field. But, like, don't take it away. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's silly. Maybe Valentine's Day. I don't know. I, I feel like valentine's day is kind of silly for anyway like but don't take it away you know and i mean i they they had me on board when they wanted valentine's day to be like bring a valentine for everyone i understand that because if you're the kid that doesn't get a valentine that doesn't feel very good however in this situation like i uh, where do I fall on this? It's tough because if some I, kid, if some kid walks in with like a five thousand dollar Optimus Prime costume, you might be a little upset. But here's the thing: this is called life, yeah, and this is called the learning opportunity that there are the haves and the have-nots. And is it more about what somebody paid for their costume? Or do you want to have the coolest costume because you were creative and put it together yourself? Like, I I just... Because a kid is crying over the fact that they think somebody else's costume is cooler, what, that we have to just get rid of Halloween? Like, I don't, I don't understand that mentality. Like, mm. have a conversation and figure out the root of the problem of why the kid is upset and then have a learning experience. Like, don't... The- the, val- the Valentine's thing. So I mentioned Alex before we got going. When I was in elementary school, it was before everybody had to 
you have to give one to everybody in the class. Um, right, exactly. Yeah. You just and, gave and Valentine's to whoever you wanted to. There were some times I was very disappointed when my uh, the ob- <laughs> the object of my attraction since first grade did not reciprocate. But you know what? I got a little older, and I made it to the era of you got to have a Valentine for everybody. And my mom explained to me why I needed to give one to the girl that I didn't. I I, I was like, she's ugly. I was look. I was a dumb. I was. <laughs> Eric. A, I was a dumb fourth grader, whatever it was. My mom explained to me, like, and and again, this is where you learn stuff like that, so you don't go, so you don't turn into a thirty-four and go, thirty-four-year-old and go, you're ugly. I refuse to work with you in this project. Um, But like, you're never going to democratize or make everything egalitarian because that fourth grader, when Stephanie Ribcheck was required to give me a card, all it said was "Happy Valentine's Day, Eric." She, I had learned that she had written some other things more sincere and affectionate to other boys. So, so that's what I was going to say. I did that. There's always, Bethany, to your point, like, you can't please everybody. Like we, that, that is like a cliche that goes back as far as time. There's always going to be people that are upset. And if you try to ameliorate them all the time, it's, right. you're just going to have these headaches. And I almost think that this Lansing thing became a story simply so they could promote some of the cool ideas that they're teaching in and around Halloween, like circumference by measuring a pumpkin. And it's just going to backfire. Fucking like, stupid. We need to probably find be- the balance. Oh, sorry. We need to no find way. the balance between like teaching our kids about equity and equality and it doesn't exist. Being accepting of others and understanding, but we also need to give our kids a little bit thicker of a skin because I'm getting worried about the um I don't I don't know. There there needs to be this balance between like between saying suck it up buttercup and then being understanding of kids feelings but it's sometimes it's like it goes so much so far in one direction or the other but i will also say that the the age okay so i think it became a story because it's also in michigan and like (laughs) the folks in michigan tend to get pissed about a lot of stuff but um like I also, obviously, I don't, I'm not a mother, but I do have young nephews and the things that they pick up on and I'm not too sure where they get it. Like I, I, my brother doesn't listen and I love my nephews, full disclaimer, but I have a running joke with my brother that Andrew's going to get his ass kicked in school, you know, here's coming soon because he brags about what he has. You know, he's got like a nice new iPhone. He's six years old. I can't imagine what what he's saying to (laughs) listen I can't well he's a diabetic and he has a monitor and he has to have a device on him at all times so Mm -hmm. um but it doesn't (laughs) anyway another Mm -hmm. podcast day but like I tell my brother all the time I was like you better quit it Andrew's gonna get his ass kicked in school and like sometimes I'll catch him and I have an iPhone I have our car door our car door closes with a button and I'll like smack them upside the head and like quit bragging or I'm taking it or share. If you're going to brag, then share what you have. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) so it, but he's so young to, to, it, it surprises me how young kids can be and learn what, like he doesn't necessarily know the term bragging, but the action of bragging, he has learned that 
you know? One time getting his ass whooped and... He, <laughs> I mean, look, that... You another cliche, but it, it rings very true. You you learn more in a loss than you do a victory. There is no, there's lots of learning in in losing. And I remember, uh, I guess in the 2010s or maybe the late aughts, there was the every kid gets a trophy thing, and that was like the hot button issue. And I thought I had a reasonably good compromise for that. Fine, you would have given them all trophies. Give the team that outperformed everybody else, you know, like the champion. Nicer trophies. Yeah. And even if, like, we tried to make everything as equal as humanly possible, which is not possible, there would still be different degrees of people who were in uh, who were in or unequal. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And, and, and it's not like you can be doing nothing at all and somebody will still be made to feel uncomfortable about it. Like, yeah. you can, I mean, that, that was something that I experienced growing up as a kid because of my hair and because of how I looked and people were mean to me. For no reason at all, like just because of that, like you could be doing nothing at all and it would still upset another kid. And you have to learn how to manage through those emotions because you mm-hmm. can't be a robot. It, it, it's interesting. Um, my friend at Panera, Marissa. Um, so I, I don't think I ever talked about this on the podcast. There was one time I asked her about something on her face. She had a breakout. Um, oh, and she was very, she was very. I, I got, I got subtweeted on Facebook, um, and it, <laughs> it came out like it, and it was early, and I, I could have thought it more through, but I, it wasn't from any place of malice. Like I was concerned that she had something medically wrong with her, and I wanted to help if I could. And she told me she has like acne real bad, blah blah blah. So I learned to to lay off on that, and we obviously hashed it all out. So. Uh, Marissa has been going to the gym, and uh, Marissa has a similar DNA to Philip. So uh, it's funny. She will, it gets really hot when she's doing her work, so she'll roll up her sleeves as I can see her muscles more defining themselves by the day. And like, I let her know this. And I only did it like jokingly. I was like, you know how you have your skin thing? I was like, well, I have a, a DNA and genes thing, and I can't exactly blink and make muscles like you do. So and I, I was just trying to prove a point because we all do have our weak spots. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Bethany Short, for instance. What? Truth. Listen, you guys. My kid went to the doctor yesterday for her one-year checkup, and tell me why the doctor called her tall and thin, and I looked at her like, "Are you even my child? <laughs> like, are you my child?" First of all. Tall and thin is nowhere in my vocabulary. I'm just thanking God that I married Josh because yeah, yeah. she might have Thank a chance you. in life yeah. at this point. She'll be average height. I, I, I would I would bet that she'll be a good combination of the two of you. She's so stinking cute in her little jammies. She's so cute. She is pretty much the cute. I know you're just cute. So I have a couple of I haven't met her, by the way. I've, so many people haven't met her. It's really sad. She is like the definition of a COVID baby. Damn it. Um, I have a couple of fun sports stories. Alex, one you'll really like, but let me start with the hockey one. And you're like, why are we talking about it? We never talk about it. It's not even Mud Hens. But this is a fun story. His name is Jonathan Berggren. I guess he's, he's Scandinavian or something. But he was a draft pick of the Red Wings, and he was assigned to play um, with uh, the Grand Rapids Griffins. They're uh they're the team up above the walleye in the Red Wings organization. So, 
he was, I guess he asked around about the city or the Grand Rapids and they told him it's a nice city, you know, good, good happening place, kind of metropolitan. And he plugged Grand Rapids into his GPS and he gets to a village of 956 people here in Ohio and was very confused. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Poor guy. Yeah. He didn't show up for uh, the Apple Butter Festival, did he? Because uh, if, if that I, was the fact, there were 50,000 people there. There were, there were 20,000 people or 25,000 people for Apple Butter Festival. And I guess the actual... Oh, Jesus. Uh, the actual, it looked like 250,000. Like, it, it so looked you went? to me like... Yes. And never again. <laughs> One and done. I oh, went once. Oh. I experienced it. I will never go again. Thank I, God I didn't go. Yeah, I wouldn't. T- yeah. Tell the introverts more. Like, tell us how, <laughs> how smart you were to stay the half home. <laughs> like, we took a picture. First of all, I didn't realize that you have to, like, park in a field and then ride a bus. Oh, no. You have to literally ride a bus there from the parking area. And then um, you get off the bus and you're kind of, you're, like, at the be- entrance of town and the main road goes down a little bit and you just look out into this sea of people like imagine the busiest day at cedar point no but more people was, <laughs> no thank you <laughs> it was insane it just looked like a swarming anthill and i you know we had already made the trip there and we were like we're doing this like we we're in this, we're doing this, we can't turn back. So we walked, you know, walked the perimeter, walked the stood perimeter. in line and got our pretzel and corn dog and our lemonade and we peaced out. Um, $15 to park, right? Yep, $15 to park. It, it's, you know, I'm, I'm glad I got to experience it because apparently it's a big deal, but I don't ever need to go again. Yeah, no, I don't. I, I don't think I. I considered it. I really want to go. Everyone has always told me I need to go to Grand Rapids, Ohio. That's where it was, right? Yeah, yeah. Grant. Everyone said you have to go. You have to go. I still have not been, um, but but I tend to like like big large crowds like less and less these days, and it doesn't have shit to do with COVID. And so, <laughs> well, yeah, just hearing yeah. that, like hearing that, it makes me feel better that I didn't go, but it's also funny because Maddie's in the background and she's just loving it. So she's like, actually, I really had a good time, Mom. So forget what you have to say. We're going next year. Thanks. How many yeah. wannabe Instagram stars were out and wannabe TikTok people were out there trying to take pictures God. and whatnot, picking apples? <laughs> There's no apple picking involved. Oh! Um, you just walk around and look at all these random vendors, and then there's people dressed up in Civil War attire, and that's about it. So, did I, they have black people was, dressed up in Civil yeah, War attire say, too, uh, or, or no? Uh, there, were a few. <laughs> <laughs> there were a few. We did fight. <laughs> so. right, right. There, there were a few. A few. <laughs> I, I was more, more concerned about the fact that there were more than one. There was more than one person with a Trump flag mm. hanging as a cape. Um, I was more worried about that situation than mm. than looking at the diversity of the reenactment. But uh, yeah, I we experienced it. Let me take. So, 
Let me take Alex's question one step further because I thought the same thing. I'm, I'm sure they were all dressed in their uh, their South attire, um, like as in like North versus South, blue versus gray. But how many people of color in total did you see? You can estimate if you'd like. Um, it was probably like an eighty twenty. I'm surprised. Mm. Like eight, maybe ninety ten. Like like mm-hmm. twenty okay. or ten people of color. Like ninety no, percent I mean, yeah. white I mean, folks, ten percent other. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and there there was some diversity in the crowd. There was, um, but it man, I I don't know where they came from though, because there were so many people there, so many people. Wow. Um, the other sports story, Alex. Who is Miles Garrett? Uh, he's a Browns player. He was a Browns player that got in, into some trouble because he yanked somebody's helmet or he knocked somebody down with the helmet on or yanked somebody's... Oh, no. He took a helmet and cracked somebody's skull with it because they called him the N-word. Yes. Um, oh, and it was yeah. like a, a, a totally an out-of-character thing because we, I think we talked about it then. Like, Correct. Very, yeah. very bright, yeah. well-spoken guy. Um so he's up to some things again, fun things. Somebody's gonna somebody's gonna take this the wrong way. Like again, when we go too deep on a, on a certain thing and we can't see the humor in things, like you have to be able to compartmentalize. And again, going back to being a child, when you learn things, blah blah blah. We've all learned these things. Somebody's probably gonna be upset at this, and good for him for like posting where he lives. He decorated the front of his yard for Halloween with gravestones of. AFC quarterbacks in his division like Ben Roethlisberger <laughs> and Lamar Jackson. I mean, that's funny. <laughs> because he's how a lineman, right? He's, yes. Like, how yeah, people, he's, you know, have bumper stickers that say F, F Michigan or F Ohio State. Like, <laughs> come on. Wait, are people mad at him? Uh, so, first of all, Bethany, nobody cares about Al in his 78 Ford Focus who, like, he can barely spell Michigan, let alone get into Michigan. Um, he, I think what they call him is a Walmart Wolverine. Anyway, you're right. But this is like a person who has millions of followers and is a, a celebrity at a national level. So it's going to draw attention. And while I'm sure like everyone's going to laugh at it like we did, and I'm sure even the quarterbacks who are gravestones will, somebody's going to go, this is a bad example for my child. <laughs> Again, I say, I don't give a shit. it's a learning experience. Suck it up, buttercup. Right. Now, I enjoyed the Halloween, and I should have texted to you, I should have sent you the picture where somebody had, like, skeletons kind of coming out of the ground with graves, and it was the unvaccinated graveyard. <laughs> <laughs> I should have sent that to you. I should have sent it to you, because I truly enjoy your laugh, Eric, when you laugh from, like, a real, like a deep belly. Like, I think it's hilarious. But Miles Garrett, like, I just, I enjoy him so much. And I, I want to meet him, because I I've heard he's like gigantic in person, but he doesn't appear that way, like on television. Football players, like, remember? Oh, sorry. Football players are much larger than than you think they are. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Bethany. Um, remember? I mean, this was probably a decade or more ago, but remember when there was an issue? I believe it was in Ottawa Hills with people. Um, their Halloween decorations were more or less. Uh, People hanging from the tree. Oh, I was like, please don't say racist. <laughs> and it was. <laughs> you remember? Do you remember that happening? Maybe Alex, I, don't, I mean, it depends if you live no. here. No. 
No, it was but before that, my time. I that think. was an issue. Like if if that's happening, that's an issue. But just because you put some AFC names on great, like come on, that's that's funny. Alex, I want to see and actually steal the COVID skeleton idea. That's that's brilliant. Uh, <laughs> and, and Bethany, like, look, it is it is impossible to offend me. I think. Uh, and I wasn't offended by this, but I was surprised that it lasted as long as it did. But then again, you know, we have these pockets here. On Glendale, Alex, right near that Jets, um, last year, on someone's tree that was, it was part on their property, but part on the sidewalk, there was someone in a noose. And I don't think right. it was a witch. There was like... Not okay. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's... Like, if it's a black person, that's a that's a no-go. Um. <laughs> so like, I forgot ghosts, to say, but don't hang people. You know what I I'm forgot saying? to say that the unvaccinated graveyard also ha- also said, and they did their own research, ah! like on the, <laughs> on the grave. <laughs> oh, here, here, here lies Nicki Minaj. Um, two more quick things. Uh, a part of fall, actually, any outdoor activity here where we live. Um, it's like a fifth professional sport. Um, cornhole. <laughs> oh, a- God. Adrian is <sighs> incorporating cornhole into their university. They will be joining the ACL, the American Cornhole League, and they will, Come treat, on. It, they will treat it just as they do all their other sports. People really love their cornhole they do. here in the Midwest. They I still do. don't even know how to play. I just toss it and make somebody else count. (laughs) Bethany, can you explain why they like cornhole so much? I I honestly don't know. I think it just became like one of those things that was um, a necessity at tailgating. And then it just like, but I don't even know where it originated. Like, I don't know if it originated here in the Midwest, but I feel like us as Midwesterners Midwesterners have really um, grasped on to this uh, quote-unquote sport, as you called it, and uh, have really made it a staple. But I, I don't even, I don't even know where it uh, originated. There's also a game similar to cornhole, but it's where you put like the, it's almost like a rack, like, and it has a couple different uh, horizontal. It looks like a drying rack, basically, and then you throw like a rope with two balls on the end, and you try to hook oh, the, yeah. the rope and the balls on the yeah on the line. Have you seen that too? Like that's like another Ash. you know tailgate. Not game. interested. Not interested. I thank you for saying that because I feel like tailgating us Midwesterners. We like to tailgate. We like our sports and oh, we cornhole love tailgating. is. And cornhole is like a tailgating thing. So, like, I feel like that's why it's a little more popular here than it is in other places. Tailgating's everywhere. Um, last night the Eagles played. I'm sure there was a massive tailgate, um, even on a in the middle of the week. Um, and I don't recall tail. I don't recall cornhole so much back then. And maybe times have changed when I lived there. There was other things. There's beer pong. There was drinking upon drinking. There were fights. There were plenty of... Yes, yes. On the East Coast, like there's cornhole <laughs> here, there's fights on the East Coast. Um, it's a different level. Like there's so much... Yeah. Like there's rules and people get really competitive. And it's like... Just drink I just your beer. Can't, 
I can't get it. I can't get into it. <laughs> you drink it. your beer while you play cornhole. You you toss with one <laughs> right. and drink with the other. That is exactly it. Uh, last thing, if you haven't been, and I haven't, but I've seen, I follow the account, the Glass City Riverwall mural has added people in addition to the sunflowers. They look very scary at the moment because they're not done. Yeah. But I did. Were they like in the original plan, or did they add yeah. that yeah. after the fact? Yeah. So oh. the, with the people that were like, "It's going to cause accidents." What does that have to do with Toledo? The sunflowers are native to the area, and they are the people on there who look like uh, God. Who was the stinky kid that um, Amanda's son got into recently? He's a smelly what? kid. Bethany, do you know? It's a kid. No. It's a book series. Oh, like diary oh. of a wimpy kid or something? No, he's like a little bald kid, and he looks like he smells. Oh yeah, oh, I don't know. You not, told me about that. Yeah, so he looks. He, they look like that right now. But they'll they'll. Those are um, native native farmers to the area. Some of the first farmers here in the area. So it is reflective of the area, even though it's not Jeep, Glass, Pacos, or the Walleye. Hello, Bethany. You're muting yourself. Uh, yeah, I think. It looks- well, everybody's cutting out. Great. Everybody's yeah. cutting out. I just- Alex, pass it. Bethany, <laughs> I'm here. That was weird. Yeah, Alex just started to like have a seizure. <laughs> yeah, I hope that was. I'm gonna be really. I'm gonna be really upset at myself. That actually was a seizure, and I just kicked her off the podcast instead. Um, no, I don't think so. <laughs> what uh, What are you doing this weekend? Um. Well, I'm going to see Anastasia at uh, Owens tonight. This CSA's is a big deal, musical. right? It is a big deal. It's our first musical back post-COVID. So uh, I'm excited. So I'm going to that tonight. And uh, then tomorrow I have a bachelorette party for my sister or my future sister-in-law. Okay. And Sunday, I think we're going to go to the pumpkin path at the zoo. Oh, I'm sure that won't be busy at all, especially since Sunday will be the only nice day of this weekend. What are you thinking? Did I lose you too? Hello? Bethany? Hi. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm sure we'll be busy, but we'll try. Um, I have, of all the shows that have come back, I see more buzz about Anastasia than most things. What's the deal with it? Um, I haven't seen the actual live musical, but I've seen the movie, uh, the animated movie, and I've read uh, books about the family, like the historical uh, nonfiction. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's a really cool story, and I, I really like the music in the show, so I'm excited to uh, to see it. But it's like it's one of those newer musicals, you know, that they adapted from. It wasn't a Disney movie, but it was like I think Fox maybe did the animated movie. I know people are excited excited by it. Good. Um, Well, enjoy uh, Introvert's Hell on Sunday. Um, Today, one of the guys that we work with had a remote at the zoo, and I was like, I hope they put you in the event center. If not, it's going to suck to be outside. I know. It'll be fine. All right. Good to to catch up with you, and um, I will talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good. Bye. Bye.